But you know what? If that's the worst thing today, shut up. <laughs> shut up, I'm crabby. You want to do this yeah uh welcome to desview pod especially heinous i'm gabe i'm tasha we are on season five episode three mother i can't Mother. okay all right opening scene these two dudes Barrel. are walking mother sorry <laughs> opening came in too late opening scene these two dudes are walking and talking about new york's weirdness they're like oh my god blah, blah, blah. they're being fucking gross it, yeah they're going to this house to buy i'm not even gonna talk about the fucking what because the guy's like oh the paraplegic oh is yeah no we can the, skip all you know, that. yeah whatever i thought you weren't gonna mention enrique and i was like you have yeah. to oh yeah no they're going to this like crack house thing to buy drugs there's a guy out front. They think he's this guy, Enrique, who they're looking for. So they give him 20 bucks, but he isn't Enrique. He says that's the house fee. The two guys are told to go downstairs. Also, this guy, his voice is the exact same as L- Luis next door. They have the exact same voice, like cadence that and everything. That is so interesting because I had to look him up because I was like, his accent that he's doing is terrible. <laughs> if he if he sounds he like sounded like Luis, Luis, so I'm like, oh, he's Nicaraguan. Okay, <laughs> so that's okay. what I told myself. But as an actor, he was in Oz and The Sopranos. Of course. So most of the stuff he's done has been writing music in movies. He wrote music for Menace to Society kids mm. don't be a menace to south central while drinking your juice in the hood and boiler room oh and we also just saw him last season in the episode desperate mm. this guy this guy so these dudes go downstairs they're in a basement they go into some room they find an unconscious woman tied to a bed one of the guys is like i don't think we're in the right room and the other guy says who cares we're still gonna score i'll flip you to see who does her first i was like what that is a hard turn to take yeah and he starts to fucking unzip and drop his pants and the other guy is like bro what the fuck she's unconscious what is wrong with you you sick freak and i'm like yeah what is wrong with you correct reaction yeah the guy's like it's cool all the better for her to not resist or some shit yeah he said something weird it was just too nonchalant it was like is that does mm -mm." yeah all of a sudden the fucking police neither guy's like i thought we were just buying crack so The fucking police bust in. The officers try to get the woman on the bed to wake up. She's not. Her hands are duct taped together. So obviously they had to call SVU. Benson Stabler show up. The responding officers take Benson Stabler down to the scene. The woman they had found had a major head wound, but her arms didn't have signs of drug use and her ID wasn't found. In the room, the officers stand around the two guys in handcuffs. The one dude that was going to fucking rape the woman tries to say he was going to help her. He's like, I was going to help her up. And Benson's like, with your penis? (laughs) Iconic. I know. Her face, too. Like, with your fucking cock? Really? Ugh. I know. I thought that this lady was fucking dead, but whatever. So the EMS brings the victim out on a stretcher. She's still alive. I didn't realize that. And then Benson recognizes her as an expert witness from a trial, Greta Heinz. And Stabler's like, that's the woman who thinks she can fix rapists. This is like one of those things where he's like, that, that girl looks familiar. I think I saw her 10 years ago at a stop sign or whatever they do. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, not only do I recognize her face, but also I know exactly what her life's work is. (laughs) Right. Even though it is very, like, niche and I get it. Now we're in the precinct. Benson, Stabler, and Craig are doing a walk and talk and going over Greta's info. 
Greta is a forensic psychologist that teaches at Hudson University. She wrote a book about curing sex offenders. Daddy Cragen's like, yeah, I read it. It's a load of crap. <laughs> so Stabler says that the guys that were found in the room with Greta had no background and claimed they were doing research for their art. Okay. I'm disappointed that the other guy wasn't like, yeah, he was going to sexually assault that woman. Yeah, yeah. There's no clues yet as to why Greta was in the basement. Tox screens were negative and the rape kit had no fluids, but there were signs of external trauma. The guy from outside the door, the not Enrique guy that mm-hmm. um, sounds like Luis, gets brought in by Munch and Toots and is put in the holding cell with the two guys from the basement. The other guys are like, oh my God, he can't come in here. And they take him to an interview room. Yeah, not Enrique. Yeah. The rapey dude is like, what What about us? We didn't do anything. Toots is like, we can't be sure that you two didn't do this. Mm-hmm. And the nice one says, all innocently, the not rapey one, he's like, we just got there. Ask that nice gentleman with the tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he's in the wrong crowd, that guy. He's not. In the precinct interview room, Benny and Stabes, I can't call her Benny this episode because there's somebody named Benny. Okay. I know. I, I didn't do that either. Right. Benson and Stabler are interviewing door guy, not Enrique. This guy confirms that the two guys from the basement got there right before the bust, but says he doesn't know when Greta got there. He's still trying to seem as if he wasn't part of any operation, just a shady dude hanging out by a shady place in a dark alley. <laughs> Taking money from people. <laughs> Yeah. Benson's like, oh, yeah. She opens the file. Javier Francisco Medina. That's fun to say. A.K.A. Badass. Possession. Possession <laughs> with intent to sell. Menacing in the first degree. Criminal facilitation. Talk about a fucking nickname. Right? Badass. It yeah. turns out he's called badass the way big dudes are called tiny. Right. <laughs> And he's like, okay, lady, I get it. Stabler hilariously leans on Javier's shoulder and says, not a lot of room left on that rap sheet of yours. And then just stays there. Like they're like they're like, posing for a, the cover of Step Brothers. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so he tells them that Greta got there about 30 minutes before these guys. She came alone and told Javier that her patient was inside and was in trouble. And he's like, oh, she seemed desperate. And then he could feel their eye rolls and was like, okay, duh, she gave me 40 bucks. Just then Craigan comes in. Greta's awake. To the hospital. Greta's in her hospital bed and she says she doesn't remember who hurt her. She can only remember leaving the Hamptons on Sunday. Her husband, this concerned fucking zaddy, says that she got a phone call. It was on her practice line, like the line for her patients. So he wouldn't know who it was. Dr. Patient confidentiality. Oh my God. Did you notice the way the nurse like whipped her around in the wheelchair? No. (laughs) No. I took a video of it because I I was like laughing so hard. (laughs) Stabes asks for a list of patients and Dr. Greta gives them the same answer every doctor initially does on SVU. Surprise, surprise. That's confidential. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Greta, have you ever seen a police procedural, though? They're going to figure it out. Yeah. Her husband, too, he was cast. Like, he just looked like a guy that you know you're never going to see again in the episode. You know what I mean? He just looked but, like, like... I appreciated him being there. Yeah. He well, wasn't going to be the bad guy later. See, I thought they were trying to throw us off and that he wasn't going to be the bad guy. And I was like, oh, they cast this guy that doesn't... So much of the... I got all <laughs> this fucking wrong. Like, I... Down to the very last fucking... Oh, so did I. It, yeah. was, it was a roller coaster. It was a flume ride it was all of the water slides that noah's ark put together it was six flags great america for me this episode yeah no lines it was insane (laughs) okay so benson's like lady you have to report anyone who's a harm to themselves or others so and she still refuses as her husband puts a pillow behind her back so the farts have somewhere to go (laughs) nobody likes a hot butt (laughs) 
that, that's from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Nobody likes a hot butt. They go back and forth. <laughs> they go back and forth, but she's not going to budge. She doesn't want them upsetting the innocent ones trying to find the guilty one. Right. And Stabler's like, um, you treat rapists. None of them are innocent. Right. Which is like, yeah. Right. Ugh. But also it's like, you don't want to, it's one, ugh, just, yeah. no. I know. Outside the hospital, Benson and Stabes are leaving the building and doing a little walk and talk. Stabler says that this doctor is being pretty uncooperative, which is like the M.O. of every professional in every episode of SVU. But let's be surprised about it. And Benson's like, what do you think of the husband? Eyebrows. Mm -hmm. Stabler says, well, I just think he loves her and hates her job and goes on to say that he wouldn't let Kathy treat sex offenders one-on-one like Greta does. Uh Benson and I are like, you wouldn't let her? Uh Uh-huh. And then he's like, oh, did I say that? Yeah. Oops, my misogyny fell out. Look, these guys are unsavable. They're only going to her because of court orders. That shit is public record. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And then they have a cute little innocuous best friend moment that like. Yeah. He's like, oh, do you want to drive? She's like, no, I'm a woman. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) Now we're at the division of parole sex offender unit. Munch and Toot speak with the division captain. He oversees 500 parolees. 50 of them he sends to shrinks. I have never seen a balder looking man. I know. He was like, he was bald. Uh, His entire. (laughs) He was just a. Yeah. He was was just a giant head. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy says that some go back to prison, some disappear or die. And then Munch asks him how many go straight. And dude says, (laughs) that's a good one. Implying that they never get better. 24 Mm -hmm. of his parolees are seeing Greta. One guy's name is Bruce Horton. He saw her a few times and he came back and he said he would rip her guts out if he had to see her again. He didn't like her, quote, unorthodox method. They should probably talk to him. Yeah. Benson and Stabler are speaking with this Bruce guy. Bruce calls Greta a freak right after they do like a close up of him chopping a fucking fish's head off. Like he's just, it's just weird. (laughs) He says that she tried to emasculate him by making him suck his thumb. She gave him stuffed animals and read him bedtime stories. This like inner child bullshit is what he was saying. Mm Mm-hmm. She made him call her mommy. He says that he was working the night Greta was killed. He says her program backfired. Her, quote, program made me want to go out and prove my manhood, if you know what I mean. Fucking Jesus. Everybody is awful. Yep. The whole time they're like flinching because in between every sentence, he chops a fucking fish's head off. Super hard, too. Yeah. Benson, Huang, Munch, and Cragen are doing a little walk and talk. Huang says that Greta is a pioneer in her field and believes that all sex offenders were abused as children. So she wants to regress them to childhood and try to reparent them. Huang says that it's all cutting edge and he's not sure about it yet. But if this regression works, Greta would be a fucking hero in the psychology field. Cragen doesn't think sexual predators can be changed. And then Munch comments on the ACLU's negative view of offenders being released from jail but getting housed in mental health facilities because it's being punished twice for the same crime, which I understand, Mm -hmm. even though I'm like, I don't want them to be out in the streets. It's It's a very Munch. Yeah. Yeah. Huang says that Greta serves on the civil commitment review board that just released an offender, Benny. This dude was charged with seven counts of rape, but actually committed 30 to 40 sexual assaults, and he was called the duct tape rapist. He was released from the psych hospital recently. Greta claimed his treatment was a total success. The one success story at Short Circuit Electronics. Which is a super cute little name, by the way. It is cute. Better than Radio Shack. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What is that? Shack has radios. That's that was so funny to me. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know. 
Toots and Stabler are there talking to Benny. Benny works here, okay? Toots comes in hard with the zingers. Planning your next rape, Benny? <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus, yeah. They're like being super fucking loud and stuff, too. It is work. Right. Benny is balls deep in a sleek as shit iMac G3. Remember those? <laughs> yeah. The tech. It was like when Steve Jobs came back and was like, we're going to make different colored computers and they're going to be smooth and bubbly. And we're all like, holy shit. Right. Remember? Yeah. Benny's like, listen, the doc completely rewired me. Uh. <laughs> I don't even think like that anymore. Benny tells them that he's recovered, registered, and doesn't miss sessions with his therapist. He goes on to say that it wasn't him that hurt Greta. She's like a mother to him, and he was at home. They do this back and forth much longer than they need to until Toots asks Benny if anyone can put him at his apartment that night. <laughs> and Benny goes, yeah, Mr. Ankle Bracelet. <laughs> We're really close. He's an emotion. <laughs> the ankle bracelet puts out a sig and he's like, yeah, I was there with him. What's it to you? He's got googly eyes. <laughs> he's eating a fucking sandwich. What's it to you? It's Mr. Ankle Bracelet to you. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Mr. Ankle Bracelet was my father. <laughs> Jeez. Back with Benson and Stabler. They're talking to Benny's PO. You know who this guy looks like? Hmm. Uncle Frank from Home Alone. Oh my God. I'm just <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I have my own Home Alone thing. <laughs> really? Yeah. Benny's required to wear the monitor as a condition of his release. He can't go out at night and he has never broken curfew. Because of their amazing tech that is definitely not a crudely drawn paper map colored in with <laughs> highlighter, they can track Benny anywhere he's at. Within six feet. Bullshit. Did you see this fucking screen? By the yeah, way, it was, it was somebody drew it on a piece of computer paper and taped it to the front of this computer. <laughs> the dot was a laser pointer. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> that was moving, yeah. <laughs> on the GPS monitor, they can see that Benny gets close to the forbidden zone of a known sex work area that Stabler unnecessarily <sighs> refers to as a hoe zone. <laughs> yeah. But then he goes the other way. Yeah. You liked that. Yeah. I was like, fucking Stabler, the whole zone. <laughs> but then he goes the other way. He doesn't lean into temptation. And then this guy's like, but as they say, every time they build a better mousetrap, somebody finds a way to outsmart it. And they're all like, whoa, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny because it was with a cat. Cat and mouse. Oh, my God. So many clever, not stupid things this episode. Uh, Benson and Stabler are in a car staking out Benny's house. And Benson's like, oh, man, this dude is in there climbing the fucking walls. And Stabler's like, what? Oh, my God. I'm on the phone. <laughs> Stabler hangs up and tells Benson that Mon it's so hard for me not to call her Benny. Stabler hangs up and tells Benson that Munch got the gourmet drenched in butter luds from Greta's patient line. <laughs> she had agreed to give them the hour before her attack. So they have like just a little piece of her phone records. It turns out Benny hadn't called Greta the night of the attack, but she did get a call from a payphone. Benny could have taken the subway two stops and been right at the payphone that called her. So <laughs> there's that. The detectives are then sitting there going, well, how did he beat his ankle monitor since he can't leave the house at night? That 
very convenient moment, they see his cat climb out the window. Uh-huh. But at the same time, Benny's alarm goes off. And they're like, whoa, we got to go. We got to go get him. They expect to find Benny pulling an unauthorized departure. But no, his cat is wearing the monitor as a collar. Benny mm-hmm. slipped away because the cat had the monitor on. So nobody saw him. Little did he know the cat was going to go out on the fire escape. So now we're at the precinct. No one has found Benny yet, and they're waiting on a warrant to get into his apartment. They called his work, and he was fired right after the cops left. His co-workers lost their minds when they found out who he was. There's some cops in Pennsylvania watching Benny's mom's house. Cab shows up, and she's like, they probably don't need to watch his mom's house because nobody visited him in the whole eight years he was in Attica. Cabot says she can't get the search warrant because he wasn't under supervision of the Department of Corrections. He was being supervised by the Department of Mental Health as their first civil commitment release. They've never had to deal with any enforcement before, so it's all fucking wonky and taking a while to get a warrant. There is more than enough evidence to get a warrant, but Benny is a citizen now, and the standards for probable cause are higher than if you were to be on parole through the Department of Corrections. It's a fucking mess. Cragen wants them to work on getting Greta to hand over Benny's files. Toots comes in, someone vandalized Greta's office. The whole gang's in Greta's office. It's trashed. Tapes from the sessions in this last week were taken. Greta says since the tapes are sent out to be transcribed, they are labeled by case number, not person. So whoever took the tapes took all of them because they wouldn't know whose was who. Mm. Benson asked Greta if Benny had said anything incriminating in his last sessions. Greta's reply is he hasn't reoffended. Um, you're like, okay, that wasn't the question. And also you don't know that. Right. Greta says that he has a relationship with a woman named Amy and a good job until he was fired the day before. Benny is estranged from his family, but Greta had been encouraging him to reconnect lately. So they got to go talk to the fam. Munch and Toots are outside talking with their... (laughs) With Benny's brother, this guy. Remember when he was like, I don't know what he was doing. (laughs) So he's a surveyor. Serving. And he's in the middle of, he can't stop. He's any other New York City union employee, I guess. But he, he doesn't stop. He's just continuing to look through his little tripod thing. And then he's doing like baseball fucking signals. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> but the camera's like really up close on him. And he's a lot. He's like, he's an embarrassment to the family. Yeah, nobody wants anything to do with him. So he says that Benny reached out to him a few weeks ago and he told him to lose his number. The brother has three daughters and didn't want to risk them being assaulted. Benny told his brother about Amy, but Benny's brother thought it was made up because she was a librarian. He's like, I didn't believe her because she was a librarian. In the library, Benson and Stabler are talking with sweet, precious Amy, who's super excited about her one-month anniversary with Benny. Ugh. Benson and Stabes are all like, um, you know he has an ankle bracelet, right? And there was this whole little who's on first back and forth before they realized that Amy thinks that Benny got in trouble for a gambling addiction. Uh So Stabler's like, oh, shit. Uh, Mm -hmm. He, he... Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not gambling. Because she's like, oh, I know about his addiction. And Sailor's like, um, wow, you're super understanding. Yeah. And then they find out. Yeah. She's like, a lot of people have a problem with gambling. And we're like, boop, boop, boop. What is this, friends? No. <laughs> so they tell her, they're like, no, nah, dude is a rapist with a legit fucking serial rapist moniker. You know? He's the duct tape rapist or something like that. Yeah. Right? And they just tell her. They're not like, girl... We got to go into a room and privately together away from children. Sit down. Yeah. No, they're just like, dude, he's this guy. And she was like, 
fuck. And she starts crying and lets them know that Benny's at her apartment because he told her that his sentence was over so he could be there now. Yeah, because of the bracelet he put on the cat or whatever. Over at Amy's apartment, Benson and Stabler just walk in like they can. Amy probably gave him the keys or something. Benny's in the kitchen cooking it up. Another fun scene where he's like, honey, what's going on out there? He doesn't know it's police. Yeah. (laughs) By the time he realizes it's cops and not Amy, he's kind of frozen. And you see him, his eyes dart at a knife on the counter like he was going to do something Mm -hmm. with two guns in his face. A legit, literal knife at a gunfight, this guy. Yeah. Stabler's like, "Uh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Bad idea, bud. (laughs) Click, click. Really, Benny? (laughs) So Benny runs to the bathroom and tries to go down the fire escape. But boop, boop, munching toots are out there already. And they're like, oh, this is the thing you do. So we were here already and they knock him down and arrest him i should write copy for this show (laughs) (laughs) they take benny in now they're in the precinct interview room and stabler's questioning this guy benny denies breaking into greta's office and keeps denying the attack on greta they also have photos that Amy had found in Benny's suitcase. They were of Amy sleeping that he obviously took of her without her consent. And she gave them to the detectives like, hey, this is creepy too. And Benny's like, she looks so pretty. Yeah. Ew. Amy also found, bury the lead with the photos, gloves, a crowbar, a glass cutter. And Stabler goes, and our old friend, Mr. Duct Tape. What is with that fucking callback? I don't know. Good old, good old Mr. Ankle Bracelet. Mr. Duct Tape. Mr. Duct Tape is a plumber. He lives in a small town in upstate New York. (laughs) Amy came back to town and he was so excited. Mike Duct Tape. (laughs) Benny admits that he still thinks about his past assaults and that he bought all that not cool shit after he was approached by detectives. Like, I bought it to... You guys made me do this. Yeah. I bought it because I was just like... I was thinking about it. I wasn't going to do it. I was just thinking about it. I just wanted a crowbar and a glass cutter. Did he buy that all at the same time? Like from the same store? That should have sent off some sort of ping to some bureau. Like that Home Depot employees like, oh my God, beep, beep. I just got to get through this fucking, I'm going to go on break. You know what? The shit that Home Depot employees see is probably kind of fucked. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, what are you doing with that acid proof barrel, dude? Right. The detectives go at Benny super hard and let him know that if there is any evidence on any of those things, they're going to find it. They're like, Mm -hmm. if there's a fucking fingerprint, if there's a DNA of someone else, if there's fucking wood from you prying something open, they're like, we're going to find it. And he's like, I super didn't do it. I swear. And we believe him. And they're like, well, why did you run? And he's like, because my life was ruined. Thanks to you. Mm. Came to my job talking loud about me doing bad stuff. I was a serial rapist and you guys fucked up my life. Just an average guy. Benny the duct tape rapist. Just a regular guy. (laughs) So Cragen knocks on the glass. Benson Stabler join him on the other side of the glass in Cragen's aviary where he trains endangered homing pigeons. But after a series of misfortunate events, his aviary goes bankrupt and he ends up experiencing homelessness on the streets of New York, taking care of all the street pigeons. One day he encounters a young boy whose parents and family all flew to Paris for the holidays and forgot him. The kid's been home fighting off some intruder and Cragen saves him with the help of his precious pigeons. He is the pigeon lady in Home Alone. See, I can do a Home Alone thing too. Merry Christmas! (laughs) Oh God. You guys, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. That's the end. Hold on, I gotta. Now, this is the thing I've been waiting for. Oh my 
God. Oh, Gabe. <laughs> I love you so much. Hold on, just wait. This is the thing that I photoshopped that I've been waiting to send you. Oh my god, did you photoshop him <laughs> as the pigeon lady? Oh my god, I can do a whole lot of things. Did you get it? You guys. It oh, fits perfect. <laughs> this isn't going to come out till late January. And I am, I want to post this now. Oh my God, it came out perfect. It's perfect. He is. Oh, my God. oh. oh. I want to go back to 60 seconds ago before you said that and hear it all over again for the first time. <laughs> I can try. Oh, my God. That was so good. <laughs> okay. So, Kraken lets him know that the mental health board requested Benny to be sent back to the hospital. None of the evidence from Greta's office or her attack matched Benny's tools or fingerprints. He didn't do it. Mm -hmm. The prints from Greta's office belong to Robert Logan, who isn't on Greta's sex offender list. He's a second-year law student at Hudson University, where Greta teaches, and Cragen wants him picked up. He's like, fly! <laughs> My pretties. They showed a photo of this kid, and I immediately recognized him. Robert Logan is played by the same dude who plays Denny Hamcake's little brother in Meet the Parents. He also plays Drugs oh. Delaney in Outside Providence. Have you seen Outside Providence? Mm -mm. Oh my God. It's I love it. Oddly, he was also in Kids and Boiler Room, two movies that the other dude mm. earlier was associated with. Oh, weird. Yeah. But I, I oh. think he's a great actor. And he's just had a lot of mini iconic roles, especially in the late 90s, or early 2000s. Yeah. Hmm. So now we're at Robert's apartment. Officers and EMS are already on scene for a suicide attempt, and it is Robert. Mm. Benson tells the officer that Robert is a suspect and needs to be taken to Bellevue Prison Ward. Greta comes out of the building into Robert's side, and we're like, what? What you doing there, bitch? Yeah, she kind of ignores the detectives and walks away. So I'm calling it. The husband that looked like he wouldn't have anything to do with it found out Greta was having an affair with Robert, set up the rape, and made it look like Benny did it. He thought she was dead when he left her duct tape to the bed. But That's where I'm at, and I, I, could, I didn't guess anything, right? This was none of these things. This was a wild episode. Good guess. Thanks. <laughs> now we're at the precinct. Benson and Stabler are questioning Greta. So Greta was called by Robert. When she got to his place, he was not despondent, so she called 911. Benson tells her that Robert is the one who attacked her, which Greta says that she suspected, which I was like, okay, why wouldn't you say anything? Okay. She says she couldn't tell them because she couldn't remember the night after her attack. Mm -hmm. And then goes on about how not remembering would have made the case weird and the ADA would have thrown it out. And Benson's like, wow, you got this all figured out. And I'm thinking like, this bitch is fucking this guy and she's probably manipulating her patients. Yeah, she's doing a lot of legalese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last time Greta saw Robert was the Friday before the attack. He was pissed at her. She told him he needed to be transitioned to another therapist because she felt like she took him too far too quickly and he became obsessed with her. Mm -hmm. So this is the scene where we start to not trust her, right? I mean, I'm speaking for the royal yeah. us. So still in the precinct, we cut to Huang interviewing Robert. Robert tells Huang super matter-of-factly, um, duh, Greta's in love with me. She's leaving her husband, you know. Duh. Yeah, all we do in our sessions is make love, so, mm -hmm. you know. So now I'm like, ooh, bitch, you are 
caught. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on and says that Greta was professional at first. Then she started, quote, dressing seductively just for me. She's all he could think about. And he stole the session tape so he could hear her voice. Okay, now I feel like he's doing some transference shit when he said that. Right. Because he's like, it hurts when I'm not with her. And you're like, okay. Right. And then I'm like, yeah, is she doing anything wrong or is he lying? It really. I mean, I was thrown all over the place. He says he doesn't have the tapes anymore because somebody stole them. And then I'm like, wait, did he ever even have them? Like, I am just... Yeah. He tells Huang he needs to get them back because the tapes prove that Greta loves him. Robert says that on the tapes, I hate saying all of this, by the way. He says on the tapes, Greta says she wants to bathe together and that she wants him to suck on her breasts. (laughs) I hate it. I know. When Huang implies that Robert hurt Greta, Robert gets upset because he says that he would never do that. He goes on to say that he can't remember the night when he called her and asked her to meet him at the crack house. He says that he has blackouts for days at a time, and the last thing that he remembers is Greta breaking up with him. My head is an SVU trash sorting facility. Just a stinky mess. Like, I have no idea what to make of any of this. Still in the precinct, Huang and the detectives are chatting about the info from all these interviews, okay? And Huang is exceptionally defensive of Robert, in my opinion. Yeah. He agrees with me and says that what Robert did is transference. And Stabler's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what that word means, so I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. In psychology, transference is when a person redirects emotions and feelings to another person. In sessions, it's when a patient does this to a therapist, right? Catalina Wine Mixer. (laughs) Oh, fucking Catalina Wine. Remember? Yeah. That's Will Ferrell. He's like, I love you. She's like, I'm your therapist. We've only met once. (laughs) Benson calls Robert's suicide attempt a bullshit way to get Greta to take him back. Huang all but does that frustration thing where you pinch the bridge of your nose and close your eyes really tight and wish you were talking to not these people. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, dummies, Robert has a history of going into psychogenic fugue states. Stabler goes, well, I don't know what that means either. So... Huang sits them all down around the fire and opens up his psychology book and explains Robert's blackouts to everybody. Cabot jumps in and calls Robert's suicide attempt half-assed. Quote, he didn't even cut the right way. Can we not minimize a person's self-harm? Thanks, bangs. Let's not do that, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Fringy bitch. (laughs) 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 Cabot thinks that Robert's going to try for an insanity defense and he'll need to be evaluated to see if he's fit to stand trial. Benson and Staves are going to dig into his mental state leading up to the crimes. Over at Mm -hmm. Hudson University Law School, Munch and Toots are doing a walk and talk after a woman... (laughs) H.U. Sorry. I was was going to yell out their mascot, but I don't know what that would be. A a bloated corpse. (laughs) I was just going to say a dead body in the river. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say. Munch and Toots walk and talk slash run after a woman that tells them that Robert hasn't been to class in weeks, which also happened Mm -hmm. the year before. This girl is running down the stairs like that one evil stepmother with a cape flowing behind her uh, in that Disney movie. (laughs) Yeah. So she's telling them, oh yeah, Robert hasn't been to class in weeks. And the same thing happened years before. That time he didn't even realize a week had passed when he finally showed up and he was like, hey, what's up? Mm -hmm. It's the next day. And she's like, dude, no, it's not. Turns out this gal and Robert used to date, sort of, she said, because Robert was impotent. So technically, in her mind, they weren't dating because they never Mm -hmm. boned. She thought Mm -hmm. that seeing a psychiatrist might help him. But when he started seeing Greta, everything only got worse. He suddenly told her that he had to stop seeing her because she was dirty. And 
he started cutting other people off too. She's not certain that Greta told him to do that, but it's kind of what's implied here. Mm -hmm. She tells the detective she's got to run, but suggests that they talk to his sister, Christina, who... Yeah, she was very helpful. Yeah, it's uh, she's passing the baton. This is the scavenger hunt that we play. Mm -hmm. <laughs> SVU. So now we're at the Westside Methadone Clinic. Benson and Stabler are speaking with Christina, Robert's sister. She's running around. It's crazy in there. Christina tells them that Greta is a, quote, quack. Christina says that Greta brainwashed Robert. Then she, like, grabs this dope sick dude and brings him to the front of the line. Mm -hmm. While Benson and Stabler are following behind her while she's carrying a, ma a grown man. Yeah. Like, like help help her right so christina filed a complaint with the state medical board but they talked to robert and he told them that greta was helping him so they dropped it christina says that he tried to kill himself over her christina says that robert couldn't have been the one that attacked greta because she herself had admitted him to the hospital for a 24-hour psyche eval that day mm -hmm. not robert now we're at st john's hospital the hospital staff confirms that robert was admitted sunday afternoon and he was observed the entire time. The nurse says that he couldn't have slipped out because they watched the patients super close. Then an e <laughs> then an extra walks up and just stands there and stares at them. I made a note of that too. In the too. background, did you notice I that? I loved that choice. Yeah, me too. Every, I mean, every time the camera changed angles, he would just kind of stand there and stare at them. Yeah, it was good. I'm like, people are going to notice that extra. Mm -hmm. So Robert wasn't there the whole 24 hours. Since he checked involuntarily, he was able to check himself out. It was obviously against medical advice, but he wasn't suicidal or homicidal, so they couldn't keep him. Benson Stabler tell the nurse that Robert tried to kill Greta and himself. And the nurse guy's like, I know her. She's his therapist. The first few hours he was at the hospital, he was asking for her, but they couldn't find her. In the precinct, Bettina Amador, a civil actions ADA, is waiting for Benson Stabler in Cragen's office. <laughs> She plays Audrey Griswold in Vegas Vacation. I loved that movie and had such a fucking crush on her. She also plays Carla in the movie Mafia. Have you seen that? It's a gangster spoof know. movie with Jay Moore and Christina Applegate. My favorite is that like Jay Moore and Christina Applegate uh, see each other later in the movie. And he's like, this is your son. And she's like, I'm a mother. Oh, God, that reminds me of I named her after you or something. <laughs> Isn't that the same joke from the Men in Tights? I don't know. Or is that the, um, am I thinking of Mafia? Maybe. Okay, anyways. Amador says Robert won't be going to trial. So some therapist tested him and proved he's not fit. Stabler's fucking pissed. And he says, we just busted our humps getting this dude's state of mind, bro. <laughs> Benson thinks Robert is faking it. Amador says, fine, it's, it's a long shot. I can challenge the findings. Then stops and turns around and says, spruce up a little bit for court. And Stabler's like, hmm, and makes his face send it to Tasha. Hold on. Uh, um, you can tell that they're really trying to make this Bettina thing happen, but we don't ever see her again, I don't think. No, but I love her sass. I didn't like it. I was like, it's forced. See, I think, well, I, I loved her already, so maybe that's why. Mm. At the trial, the psychiatrist who evaluated him is testifying to Amador that Robert was delusional and agitated. His sense of reality is so poor that he doesn't understand his charges. Amador challenges that and says, um, he seems pretty cool and calm sitting in court. The psychiatrist says, well, he's medicated. So Amador comes yeah. back with, oh, so he's high. Maybe that has something to do with <laughs> him not comprehending this shit. And Robert's mm -hmm. chic ass looks like a model lawyer objects and shakes her head a tiny bit, but her classy hoop earrings shake for a long time after <laughs> i didn't notice i wish i could look that good with a shaved head by the way did you do you remember 
her. Mm-mm. She just looked super. I don't have the bone structure to she pull. She had a shaved off. head. Yes, she looks fucking regal with this shaved head. I, I would no look idea. like Uncle Fester. I think if I ever did that. <laughs> the psychiatrist goes on to say that she believes Robert thinks that he and Greta had a consensual relationship. Mm-hmm. Then Huang takes the stand. He confirms that Robert understands that he's being charged with rape and feels super bad, which should imply remorse slash knowing what he did. But Huang says it's more complicated than that. Robert has always maintained that Greta mm-hmm. controlled the sexual aspect of their relationship. Amador rightly says, cool, the victim was asking for it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Objection, withdrawn. Now Greta's on the stand. She says Robert is extremely ill. Their therapy triggered the attack and psychogenic fugue state. When Greta is asked if she loves Robert and had sex with him, he's like, yeah? And she denies it. Immediately, Robert gets super worked up. He's like, what? He's like, why are you lying? What are you doing? First, he was like, what? And then he said to his therapist, why would she say that? And I was like, to his lawyer, she is fucking this guy. And nobody Mm, believes it. mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. She's gaslighting somebody struggling with mental illness. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the fuck, lady? Greta says that Robert confused their therapy with his abuse from when he was younger. And Robert gets Mm -hmm. up and moves towards Greta. He's super upset. And I'm like, where the fuck is the bailiff? Exactly. some court official to step in. Exactly. He's not moving quickly toward the fucking witness stand. You know what I mean? Like, I know. Well, and like Benson and Stabler grab him. And and then the bailiff comes. And I was like, were you just facing the wall <laughs> like in the corner <laughs> he's over in the corner he's like i am having a love affair with this ice cream sandwich <laughs> oh i should oh i don't usually have to do anything until later yeah but i mean he literally gets up to the thing and grabs her face mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. tell me you love me. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm your therapist. I'm not who you think you are. You know, right. How did you get there? How did you get that far? <laughs> so then, yeah, the detectives grab him. He's detained all the while. He's begging her to tell the court that she loves him. I mm. am reeling. I don't know what to believe. Mm-hmm. In the precinct, Cregan gets the rundown about what happened at court. Robert's deemed unfit for trial. Cregan asks if what Robert did was real or for show. None of us know, Cregan. Mm-hmm. Christina, Robert's sister, comes in and demands that Greta be arrested for malpractice. She has a full-on boombox and plays one of the tapes <laughs> she found in Robert's apartment of one of their therapy sessions. Greta describes Robert <sighs> being... Bleh, I hate this part. Greta describes Robert being naked out of the tub and... Brace yourself suckling her breasts ew suckling is such a fucked up word i hate that word so much why do i never remember that you never remember what the word suckling or that i hate it no that it's on my list of words i don't like oh because you don't hear it ever like i haven't heard that word when when i hear that word that i don't even want to say i'll 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 say a different word instead voldemort when i hear voldemort (laughs) I, I no. I think of um, the Ghost of Christmas Present from the Disney version with the ducks of the, mm-hmm. A Christmas Carol mm-hmm. because he says suckling pig. He's eating a suckling pig. Mm-hmm. It's just a baby pig. That's so sad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a baby pig. You know what um, I love that you just did is you said, I'll say something else. I'll call it Voldemort, which is funny and ironic because Voldemort was called he who should not be named. Yes, that's the joke. And you did it <laughs> and you're like, this is funny and it was good. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I would have also accepted just a laugh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Christina asks every single one of us, the audience, the court, everybody in the precinct, the guy at the hot dog stand that is ordering as much relish as he possibly can. Me later in my dreams because I can't get the word suckling out of my head. (laughs) And she says, you still think that (laughs) Christina says, you still think that she is the victim? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. So she wanted answers and went through Robert's apartment. That's how she got these tapes. Yes. In the interview room, Benson's neighbor question and confront Greta. They play a portion of the tape and it's all her saying that I'm going to smother him in kisses, blah, blah, blah. And then Sailor says, does insurance cover a session like that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Greta absolutely denies having sex with Robert. She says that she was reparenting Robert via regression. Sailor says, dude, I got four kids because I'm a fucking dad. Dad. If I ever talk to one of them, I'd arrest myself. If If I ever... You said, if I ever talk to one of them, I'd arrest myself. That's what he said. <laughs> no, he said, if I ever talk to one of them like that, I'd arrest oh, myself. Oh, I forgot that like that. <laughs> if I ever talk to one of them, period. Fuck if those I'm, kids. If I'm ever present at a birthday party of one of theirs, <laughs> ugh. All four of them are the worst. Greta says that there was never any physical contact. She talked him through weird breastfeeding shit. <laughs> Gross. In the squad room, the whole gang is sitting around a little fucking campfire. They got s'mores and they're passing around a little bottle of fireball and they're discussing Greta's interview and the case. Huang thinks what happened is countertransference. The therapist developed feelings for the patient. The squad considers both Robert and Greta a victim and a perp. They know Robert attacked Greta, but now they have to prove that Greta had sex with Robert. Toots is on the phone with informants trying to track down badass. Remember that guy? So they can... can, Yeah, I do. (laughs) So they can confirm if he saw Robert the night of the attack. So Munch and Toots go see Badass. They go down this alley and they see a bunch of dudes hanging around and they all fucking split except Badass. Badass tells him that he has seen Robert before. Not the night of the attack, but a few weeks before. He was passing out needles, clean needles. Badass says he was with this pain in the ass woman who's always coming around passing out flyers for her methadone clinic. Fucking Christina. Yeah, she. Uh, he says that she gets a few here and there, but they always come home to Poppy. Ew. Ew. He also says that he saw Christina at the crack house the night of the attack. Oh, my God, it's Christina. Okay. In the precinct interview room, Christina's sitting in a seat and Benson (laughs) is on one side of her squatting six inches from her face and Stabes pops into frame on the other side and they ping pong the shit out of her. It all makes sense now. You hated Dr. Hines. You tried to get her fired. You tried to get her license taken away. And when no one would do anything, you decided to take it into your own hands, huh? Yeah. Christina denies the attack for a few laps until they show her that they've got her prints on the duct tape used to bind Greta that night in the bag got her she tells them that she found the tape after she admitted robert to the hospital and was fucking pissed so she found greta and had her go to the crack house under the guise of robert being in trouble Mm -hmm. twist she didn't sexually assault greta she kicked her as hard as she could between her quote whoring legs this lady's acting sucks super bad by the way oh I didn't, yeah, I didn't. She's like, I kicked her, yeah, as hard as I could between her whoring legs. You're like, okay, Christina. Christina's fine with going to jail, but insists on pressing charges against Greta. She said that their mom died of cancer when Robert was seven, and she's been taking care of Robert ever since. They're all each other has. Still 
in the precinct. No, so after the interview, Craigan's like, oh, man, what a rough week for the doctor. It's, it's just funny because Toots says that if Greta, quote, Freudian slipped it to Robert, she could get four years. Ew, Freudian slipped it. So this conversation lets us know that they believe the suckling piglet therapy is legit. I mean, why? I don't Did know. Do I should. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what? The suckling piglet <laughs> therapy? <laughs> don't bring it up. Don't say it. I mean, I shouldn't say that anyway. I've had some pretty unorthodox therapy, but I also, no, I don't like it. Especially after the, I did this chaser and eh. Ben sits on her computer and finds an article that says Robert and Christina's mom died in a house fire, not of cancer. Side note, mm. when she's on her computer, she says that she, quote, Googled it. But Google didn't officially become I a verb until 2006, but it was deemed by the American Dialect Society as the most useful word of 2002, so it had obviously been used for a while prior. Anyway, I'm yeah. starting a new podcast. Boring history nobody asked for. Dude, I made a note, too. I'm like, Benson fucking said Googled. Yeah, but it was, I mean, just because it hadn't officially become a verb, it was already being, it was in the lexicon. Like, everybody yeah. used it as a verb pretty quickly yeah. into it being a thing, if I remember. The fire was deemed suspicious because there was accelerant used. That night, Robert was found wandering the streets after the fire with no memory of it. They think that Robert could have set that fire. Yep, and that started his whole psychogenic fugue thing. Mm -hmm. Benson is stable her at Greta's house. They tell her about Robert's mom dying. Greta wasn't even aware of the fire, even though Robert spent a whole year talking about his mom in therapy. They tell her they think he might have caused it. Greta says that if she had known about that, she would never have taken Robert down that path. The suckling breast path? Is that what she's <laughs> oh, talking about? God. I don't know. She says that it completely explains the attack. Benson and Stabler let Greta know that Christina attacked her because she thinks Greta assaulted Robert. Greta says she's never touched Robert, but she thinks she pushed him too hard. I don't believe it. I think they did, but whatever. Hmm. Greta wants Wong to walk Robert through regression to revisit the house fire using the detail that his mom was a religious fanatic and used to pull him out of bed in the middle of the night to pray for his sins. She doesn't think that she should do it, obviously. She's like, I'm gotta stay away from this which made me go okay i believe her now okay <laughs> okay i don't think there's gonna be a final twist in the next three minutes right <laughs> there can't be or can there they're like actually it was her boo 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 toyota boo <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Huang speaks with Robert. Robert confirms the information about his mom making him pray. He tells Huang that his sins had to do with being a boy and boys being dirty, which is why Robert was washed all the time. Fucking A. Robert says that his mom would hit his genitals. Oh, tie a tight string around his genitals to try to castrate him because sex is evil. End quote. While he's telling him this, Huang looks like he's struggling to even listen to it. And he's heard some shit. Yeah. It's what sex is evil. It's what makes men bad. When Huang asked how he felt when his mom died. Robert said he wasn't allowed to talk about it. He does not not want to talk about it and is freaking out and hitting himself in the head. Huang grabs Robert's hands and tells him he doesn't have to fight anymore and that they can take the pain away, but they have to talk about the fire. Robert says he was outside and could hear his mom screaming. He didn't set the fire, but doesn't want to say who did because he promised. But... It ends up getting out that it was Christina who set the fire. Christina was sent away when she was a kid for doing something really bad. She came back that night to save Robert and killed their mom. Mm. Oh, and then Robert hugs Wong. 
and they like slumped on the floor together hugging. Benson and Stabler are at Rikers Island talking to Christina. She says that she was kicked out of the home at 14. She got pregnant, was beaten by her mom, and was sent to live in Minnesota and was told to never come back. Christina says that she came home after she saw the story of the fire in the paper. And then they're like, dude, we get why you killed her. She was abusing her brother. Christina dramatically turns around and says, mom wasn't abusing my brother. She was abusing my son. (gasps) Twist. Mom took him the day he was born. She punished him for Christina's sins. Christina came back seven years later for him and had seen what her mom had done and she had to protect him. Christina is led away by an officer and she says, wouldn't you do the same for your son? Would you, Stabler? Fucking whoa, Toyota. Yoda. Fucking Toyota. Whoa, Yoda. <laughs> whoa, Yoda. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. This episode is straight based on this thing that happened okay mm-hmm. paul lozano was 23 years old when he sought help for his mental health struggles in 1986 he was in his third year at harvard mm. and had just spent six weeks inpatient at mclean hospital in boston he struggled with severe depression and in his discharge papers from the hospital dr francis frankenberg wrote that lozano quote describes a childhood history of abuse by his older siblings and perhaps by parents a claim that a therapist Lozano saw years later would say was denied by the patient. Regardless, Paul Lozano returned to school and began seeing Dr. Margaret Bean Biog, a respected psychiatrist who he had seen years prior, just on and off. So he was already familiar with her. Bean Biog described Lozano as having, quote, homicidal, violent, and delusional thoughts and decided the best treatment for him was regression therapy. He spent Mm. the next four years as a patient of Bean Biog before she terminated their doctor-patient relationship in 1990. He then briefly sought care from Dr. William Barry Galt before injecting himself 75 times with cocaine, causing his death on April 2nd, 1991. Jeez. As his family mourned their loss, Paul Lozano's sister was tasked with cleaning out his apartment. This is where she found some extremely disturbing material. There were children's books with messages written in them such as, To the baby, love Dr. B. For all of you, when someone loves you for a long time, long time, not just to play with but really loves you, then you become real. Sometimes it hurts though. Love Dr. B. Merry Christmas from Santa Bean. There were flashcards with instructions for Lozano to review daily until he quote believed them including i'm your mom and i love you and you love me very very much say that 10 times this is on the doctor's handwriting okay another one said you can too act like a three-year-old when you're 25 also you can curl up with a sweater and the pound puppy which was the stuffed animal that came up a lot in therapy with them and you can breastfeed Mm -hmm. and be cozy were these part of Lozano's regression therapy? When Beam Biog was accused of causing Lozano's death by his family, she would argue that yes, they were. Hmm. They believe that she had a hand in his death because she orchestrated a mentally unfit person to become obsessed with her and had an inappropriate relationship. And then terminated it. And then terminated it. Yeah. But there's more. So Bean Biog would testify that these were techniques used to nurture his inner child and allow that part of him to meet his adult maturity. She had him attach himself to transitional objects like a blanket or a stuffed animal for comfort with the intention of releasing them over time. She also became his 
his non-abusive mother so that she could be in place of the abusive mother that he allegedly grew up with and she could help heal that part of his upbringing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So many therapists believe that these are not appropriate techniques. Washington psychiatrist Dorothy Starr said in an interview about the subject, quote, we are stand-ins for people in real life. I find it important to keep clear that this is an artificial process. I may look like a great mother, but I'm not going to be the mother. And professor mm-hmm. of psychiatry at Albert Einstein Medical School, T. Byram Karasu, said, quote, you would not let a patient call you mother or even suggest that. Yeah. But there are some that would say these are permissible techniques, but only for badly damaged patients who are in a controlled inpatient setting with the consultation and supervision of a team of medical professionals. Mm. So this is a debated thing. At the very least, she was kind of playing fast and loose with something that should have had a lot more structure to it. And she was just like... You know what? I'm going to try something. And you're like, that's you can't do that. She claimed that she consulted with other psychiatrists, and but there were a lot of gaps in the things that she contributed in consulting with other psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. Also, there were other things found in his apartment. There were notes that said things like, quote, I'm going to miss so many things about you, phenomenal sex and being so appreciated. Maybe you're having trouble getting used to being loved. When confronted with this, the doctor claimed that this particular note was supposed to represent a loving relationship with a girlfriend. Like these were role-playing things that she claimed to be doing with him. <sighs> But what about, mm, doctor, what about the lengthy Fifty Shades of Grey fictional stories written by Bean Bayog? One entry started, quote, I look radiant, not at all like someone who had the daylights beaten out of them and is expecting more of the same. And then goes into detailed descriptions of rape, bondage, torture, and humiliation, always involving herself and Lozano. She was confronted with that too. She says that those were private as she was experiencing her own counter-transference in response to Lozano's transference. So he was openly in therapy talking to her about his fantasies that involved her. Some therapists would Mm -hmm. argue that she should have ended the therapist-patient relationship at that point. Mm. And then there's some conflict because she said they were fantasies and then she said that she was just writing down her dreams and it was um, involuntary, these different stories. And giving them to him? Well, she said that he stole them from her office during a time that he had broken in and also stolen medical records, which was another thing that other therapists said that she should have terminated their relationship over. Right. The family worked hard to get her charged with some kind of sexual misconduct. And Paul shared with his therapist that followed Bean Bayog that he had a sexual relationship with her and that she had masturbated in front of him during his second appointment, which eventually evolved into a sexual relationship. Mm. This claim Bean Bayog denies as well. Of course, there wasn't enough solid evidence that she had directly been responsible for for his death. And although her alleged actions are considered some of the grossest misconduct in the psychiatric field, there was technically no crime committed to prosecute Bean Biog. The Massachusetts mm. State Medical Board charged her with failing to, quote, conform to the standards of accepted medical practice and detailed what they called, quote, boundary violations within her treatment of Lozano. The doctor was then Mm -hmm. facing a hearing with the state medical board to determine whether she would lose her license. She instead gave up her license willingly and resigned to avoid the public media circus and scrutiny that would pile on to what she had already experienced. Mm. So she could have like gone through this whole trial, this whole hearing, 
she could also have avoided that by signing this document that kind of checked all the boxes of what had happened. But then at the end of it, basically, she would have to plead guilty that she had done that, that those were things that she did, oh. that these are intentions, that the sexual relationship was valid. And if she would have admitted to that, if she would have done that, then she could have lost her license, but only for like a year or so. And she could have had it reinstated. But instead, she just resigned. You get to do things like like that shit can happen mm-hmm. and you only get a year. Not you can fuck with somebody's mind like that. And that. Wow. Yeah. The family went after her in civil court and it was settled out of court in December of 92 for one million dollars. Mm. The family used that money for funeral expenses and their own therapy. But most of it went toward establishing a scholarship for Hispanic medical students. So this doctor never admitted to any wrongdoing in her treatment and the subsequent death of Paul Lozano. This was over 30 years ago, so things have obviously changed. Currently, it is a state-by-state issue and most often is prosecuted through a medical malpractice suit, which can result in fines, loss of license, and possible jail time. Wow. That's fucked up. I never It is super fucked up. It's fucked up. But there's like... ah. For everything that they accused her of and said, she had some kind of almost logical response to it. It's just as twisted Mm -hmm. as this whole thing where it's like, was she doing this or what, you know, because then later when Lozano was seeing another therapist, he said that he didn't have an abusive upbringing, but he did, you know, it was just all over the place. Weird. Shit. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Next week, we got season five, episode four, Loss. The gang investigates a rape and murder of an undercover agent, and they have to be chill about it because there are other agents in the field. It might be this dude in the drug cartel. Boring. (laughs) You're going to love this one. You love this kind of shit. I do. And Cabot gets death threats against her and her fam. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's starting. Is this where she leaves? Cabot, no. And Cabot gets death threats against her and her bangs. (laughs) She's like, there's nothing I can do. They have to wait for them to grow. <laughs> Give me six months. So so you should rate and review us. Toss us a couple of stars. Like maybe five. Five. Precisely five. Exactly five. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. If you want to send us anything, P.O. Box 176 DeForest, Wisconsin 53532. Check out our Instagram at svupod. Join the Facebook group svupod elite squad. We also have a chat room on there. Mm-hmm. Hashtag little bit loud for all your indie pod needs. And then join the Patreon. We got a bunch of shit on there. Like a ton of shit. And merch. Yeah. Yeah, we got merch. Merch. Go to our website, svpod.com and get some of that fucking sweet, sweet merch. Yeah. All right. All right. Love, Love you. Bye. bye. I can do it too. Must be the season. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go. You were right there she's a hot shot big city new york librarian coming back <laughs> coming back to fall in love with mike from high school that makes candles <laughs> year round <laughs> and they'll never fight about bills her mom is diane keaton <laughs> all of our moms are diane keaton during christmas not good i don't know what her mom told her growing up but i'm glad she has supportive parents she really thinks she's nailing it meanwhile i'm fucking in the bathroom take a load off annie by myself you know right yeah or accidentally fucking butt dial me and you're like he ain't nothing but a hound (laughs) 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 sorry danny i'm lonely And to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Sky K, Marissa M, Elkie H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew. Andrew. 
Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Kate H, Uyunga, Nicole R, Julia P, Sapphire, <sighs> Kayla, Jesus. Catherine M. I really brought it for that one. <laughs> yeah. Kate P. That one came from your fucking cervix, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, Catherine M. It's all for you. <laughs> It's all for Kayla, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Bear, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Emily A, Angela D, Mac Attack, Casey W, Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T. Cassandra S, Kaylin B, Camilla Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, Kay Allen, Katie M, Crystal B, Jessica P, Nada M, Zan and J, Sin, Christina D, Liana, Madison H, Emily O, <laughs> Crystal M, Victoria B, Kelsey D, and Scout G. We love you and appreciate you. Love you. 